All right, Jonathan, welcome back to another one. Rory, how are you, buddy? You well, yeah, all good. How's things? <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, just to give the audience some insight, where you're just telling me about um, McDonald's uh, on Netflix, there, the, the movie or whatever it is, and I was like, "Stop right there!" That's yeah, it. it's on the podcast. <laughs> so yeah. that's where we're going to start today. Tell me about this. Oh yeah, I mean, if I, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who've maybe watched it already, but if you haven't, get in and watch it. Basically, there's a documentary about how McDonald's all started. And I'll give you a bit of a bit of a background story. So if anybody does want to watch it, maybe stop the podcast here and um go watch it first before resuming. But spoiler much, <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> but pretty pretty much there was a guy involved and he was a bit of a cowboy. You know, he had investments here, investments there, sort of we project running, and he promised his wife every night that you know we're going to be millionaires in the morning. And anyway, this went on for a few years. And next thing he came across this restaurant that he was selling to in, in California, and it was called McDonald's. And they'd done the fast food, just as we know it today. They'd done the chips, the burgers, the, the drink, all in 30 seconds. And he thought that this was a brilliant idea. And he thought that you know, it needed to be franchised. It needed to be rolled out across the country. So he teamed up with them. And they, they were unwilling, they were unwilling done it. You know, they didn't want to be involved in it. They didn't want to franchise it. They didn't really believe in themselves, the two brothers that owned McDonald's. But anyway, they went with this guy, franchised it across the country. And the guy who was involved initially, who wanted to franchise it across the country, says, well, we need to make these changes. We need to make that. But the two original founding brothers said, no, we don't want to do it. And there started to be a bit of, you know, a bit of heated arguments going back and forth of really what they wanted to do. So anyway, the um, the guy literally just went, hired a law firm, stole the idea and says, well, we're buying the rights to the business. We're buying the land and setting up something called McDonald's. And effectively, they just went and stole the company no, and, and, and turned it into McDonald's into what it is today. You know, so that's not a great depth and, you know, detail for you, but it'll give you a bit of a background. It's a brilliant watch. You know, it, you wouldn't have thought a business like that. It was completely stolen. You know, that's all it was. Just completely stolen. You, you know, and your guy promised them, you know, promised them cash if they signed the contract to hand it over and everything and all that there. And they never received anything. So done them quite dirty. So think any lessons for the business it's business lessons for the future yeah is <laughs> definitely if you have a good yeah. idea you know be aware of the good idea and keep it to yourself yeah. don't let don't let anybody run with it because I'll tell you what if somebody out there's failed for 10 15 years like this guy did he's hungry for it and he's going to take it yeah, you know sure. and that's that was the problem but yeah great movie if you get into it very good. Yeah. I guess now we'll look at the markets. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll look at the markets. I mean, it's, it's a I running think, theme at the moment, really, isn't it? I, I think it, I think so. I think there's no better stock to look at though that, than McDonald's. <laughs> really? I mean, yeah. I mean, what are the down over one percent today? Two sixty six down from the high of three hundred. You know, so down there quite a bit. I mean, I know tech stocks are down and everything else. Tell me why McDonald's is down. Is there any root cause for that? I, I think it's just really joining in on the show. There's no real root cause there. I think every, everything's down at the minute. It's it's sentiment really based at the moment as well. I mean, like at the end of the day, again, that theme is dollar strength. And, you know, we we mapped it up all the way to 106. It's there at 106. And it's now time to kind of reassess what's going on. But I don't see anything other than kind of continue dollar strength from here. Like I say, like everything points to dollar strength. I mean, you know, stocks coming down, sentiment is kind of eroding, um, you know, we spoke about that in the last podcast, global recession looming. Um, and that's actually come to the fore since our last podcast, more information and, and, and data and economics. Economists are coming out and saying more about it as well. So, you know, once there's fear factor in the markets, you know, people go to dollar and they pull out of stocks. It's just pretty simple, right? Um, plus, 
there's obviously there's lots of other under underlying factors to dollar strength, but that's only going to strengthen the the cause for further upside potentially. Yeah, I, I mean, I I completely agree. I think you know while we might see some pullbacks here and there in dollar and things like that, you know we're, we're obviously going to see pullbacks and everything, but I think you know definitely the long term trend here, at least the medium term trend, is still going to be dollar strength. You know, I mean, we're still seeing yields rise and yields at the highest level in the US from 2007, highest levels in the in the EU from you know 2011 when we've seen that eurozone crisis. You know, so things are different, definitely in places where they haven't been in over, you know, in over a decade, nearly you know into the second decade now from from we've seen those things, and I just think it's going to we're going to see a continuation really from here. And we're seeing December highs at the moment. Like, you know, it's, it's, I really thought we'd see a bit more rejection around that 106, but it just seems to continue going. It just doesn't seem to be anything in the way. Yeah. I mean, I mean, why would, why would there be, you know, we're seeing US, you know, US 10 years there at 4.3%, you know, also as well as 30 years there at 4.6%, as well as that, you know, we're, we're starting to hear uh, JP Morgan's Jamie Dimon come on and say that, you know, there's a potential for rates at 7%. You know, so that upside is still open there, you know, for a discussion. I mean, in, inflation is still on the rise. We can you know, safely say that. We've seen two months now consecutively where inflation is on the rise. So, you know, is, is the door open for further rate hikes? It could be possible. You know, uh, the Fed's Neil Kashkari came out and also said that he expects another rate hike this year. Although I think he was brought into office late last night because he released a statement saying that there's a 60% chance of a soft landing this year. So he's been he's been slapped on the wrist for saying that. And, you know, that's how the industry works. He was, you know, he's literally been slapped on the wrist, told to release another statement. And now he says there's a 60% probability of a soft landing. So those two statements don't really line up. And yeah. and I would always believe his first word. You know, I think that second word, everybody can see right through the truth. So sometimes when you're in markets like that, you have to be aware of, you know, what's actually coming from the, you know, what's coming from the heart and maybe what's coming from somebody else's, you know, head. And I think it's always, you know, easy enough to look through things like that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I suppose let's have a quick look at the crosses then and the effect that the dollar strength has had. Um, yeah. A quick look at, I suppose, euro dollar to start. I mean, honestly, I had a, an open position there back on the 21st, 20th, 21st. It was back on, was it last Tuesday before we got all that data coming out? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit of a risky trade because we just didn't know how much volatility we were going to get. But, you know, that that's certainly played out down to that 106 level where I was expecting it and it's even continued to 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 fall below that now. Um, I think levels in terms of levels, I think certainly 105, 20-ish level um, you know, is the next kind of stumbling block really for, for euro dollar. But if we see a breakout of that, it's it's open territory really again then, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think we're going to see some support there coming in around that 105 level. I mean, you know, I'm looking at on a weekly chart here. And the, the last time we actually had a green close on a weekly chart in EURUSD was the 10th of July. Yeah. You know, so that's a, that's a long time. What's that? That must be 11 weeks ago now from we've seen a green candle on, the, on EURUSD. So, you know, I've, I've said it for ages and I've said it from there, Jonathan, from that time. It's literally just about selling rallies. And if you sold the rally every single week, you'd be severely profitable. Or if you just sold the rally back then and held it down, you'd be severely profitable. And that's what it's about, you know, initiating that idea, thinking, is this a long, is it a short? It was a fake out of, you know, that sort of initial rise we've seen in EURUSD above 110. It was just a fake out, sell it, short it all the way back down to 105, um, you know. Better trading conditions at the moment, really. Being honest, I mean, like yeah. directional markets are where you make your money. Do you know that kind of way? And 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 you know, it just it's a one-way street. It's a one-way street at the minute. 
You know, there's not there's nothing there. But I, I do think we're going to see a bit of a bounce here, this 105 and Euro USD, you know, because we're starting to see news filtering in about a US government shutdown as well. And usually when we do see that historically, we start to see money flowing into bonds. And when we see that, then we'll see yields falling. And then that's obviously when we'll start to see a bit of dollar weakness. So how that works around and what the maybe next couple of weeks will bring, you know, we've NFP as well next week. So just depending on how we see that could maybe determine whether this is going to be a solid bounce or whether it's just going to be a temporary bounce. You know, but I would say we're just going to see a temporary bounce for now. I wouldn't bet on a solid bounce for here. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, any other currency pairs that you're you're interested in or I mean, as, as well, just looking at cable, you know, we, we're now seeing cable break below that 122, currently at 121.60, you know, and looking to make its move down. I think the next stop here really is that sort of 120 level and then down to 118. You know, I don't think there's going to be any stop. And again, we might see that bit of a bounce in dollar, but will it be enough to hold up um, the pound? I'm not really quite sure. You know, we know that the pound isn't really in a great place at the minute. So that's just another one, you know, that I'm keeping an eye out on there too as well. One of the interesting ones as well is, you know, USD CAD. That's something as well we're starting to see. You know, we haven't really seen the direction on USD CAD as, you know, like the rest of the pairs like your USD and cable. I think the reason that really comes down to is the strong oil price we're seeing at the minute. So we're yeah. seeing a strong oil price, seeing a strong dollar, and price doesn't really know what way to move at the minute. You know, it's it, it's kind of stuck within that range. We are seeing obviously US dollar CAD up this week. You know, we're up at one thirty five there at the minute, but really that's just coming off a bit of a softer oil market we're seeing at the minute. But really, not much direction there. Volatility's there, but direction's not there, which can be probably a lot. Uh, you know, a bit of a nightmare to trade. Great. I suppose while we're on the subject of oil, I suppose let's have a quick look. I mean, we've seen that kind of fall off from the what, somewhere around the 19th of, of September. Price has kind of fallen off back to around that kind of 88 level seems to be holding up at the moment in terms of support. Um, you know, I think this is kind of a, a temporary at the moment. I really do see further upside here. Obviously, we've got uh, China looking to increase output. We've got obviously Moscow temporary what, they put a ban on gasoline and, and diesel mm-hmm. exports there as well. I know it's a temporary ban, but again, I I personally see further upside here. But again, we need to see that break breach of that kind of 92.50 level. Yeah, I think we do need to get above that 92, at least that 92.50 where there's like a monthly R3. Get above that, maybe create some more um, support higher up. Something as well, you know, is I'm kind of conflicting as well now in higher oil prices as well, because we're starting to see, you know, demand definitely now um, decreasing, especially in Europe. You know, we see the Volkswagens starting to curb production because the demand isn't there. We also seen this morning um, earnings from ASOS. They came out and said that demand's severely drying up and they're starting to, um, they're now starting to charge people uh, for returns outside of the UK and things like that. So apparently ASOS used to do free returns. So they're looking to try and recoup some cash. And, you know, I think a lot of businesses in the same sort of, not just the same industry, but basically business across the spectrum, I think are now starting to struggle a bit for demand. Um, Seasonally though, I think there's going to be obviously demand for it anyway. And again, China, as you know, is, is mm-hmm. really what happens in China is what's going to dictate where, where price is going to go from here. Well, well, yeah, that's too. And we see the seasonal factors as well in oil. But another th- headline, you know, that I was kind of reading was kind of looking at higher oil prices and, you know, the exploration really around the Gulf of Mexico, especially in the US. So, you know, for those that don't know, it's sort of um, underinvested. It's sort of oil exploration in, around that Gulf of Mexico. It's heavily under, underinvested at the minute. You know, and a lot of experts are saying that oil prices could go to 120, 150, you know, if there isn't that more investment brought into that. You know, so something I would be looking to see now that the presidential election's coming up in the US is maybe any hints of 
it could be Republican or um, Democrat, but it's probably more than likely going to come from a Republican senator saying that we may look to invest a lot more money into oil exploration. And if we start to see headlines like that coming out, that's going to put a severe amount of uh, selling pressure on the oil. So just keeping an eye out on anything like that. But again, that goes against the sort of remit that OPEC has of trying to inflate oil prices even higher for the next while. So I think we could see some volatility direction. I'm, I'm not too sure, but volatility definitely is going to be there. Yeah, agreed. Um, that's I suppose that's a quick look at uh, gold, and I know this kind of come we we kind of it's an ongoing story with gold, but it seems to be trapped within that kind of you know nineteen hundred to what nineteen fifty level. Mm-hmm. We've seen a pretty big sell off in gold today, and again, that's probably off the back of stronger dollar, um, and again, you know, interest rates and and, and so on. So, what's your what's your feeling from here? Yeah, I, I, feeling's kind of neutral with it. You know, I mean, we're seeing we're seeing obviously gold being propped up. You know, I think a lot of it really comes from the sort of Chinese economy as well. You know, it's sitting on matchsticks at the minute. We know a lot of Chinese investors like to invest in gold, obviously to hedge against the yuan. We're starting to see the yuan breaking out of that two percent limit every day. And I think a lot of Chinese investors are starting to invest in gold, and have been the last few years uh, to sort of break out of China. But at the same time, we're seeing that stronger dollar. So I think what that's doing is two things. I think, number one, China's keeping the price of gold up, but it's not enough to keep pushing it higher. But I think that stronger dollar is also stopping it from breaking out above 2000. But the Chinese are keeping it from breaking below 1900, if that makes sense. But I think all we need now is just to see a breakthrough of that 1880 level. If we see that, then we could open up the downside to 1800. But again, I just feel as if we're running out of, running out of steam and that gold should be a lot lower than what it should, than what it is. You know, if we look at EURUSD, look at cable, look at the dollar index, gold should be probably lower than what it is. So I wouldn't be surprised to see another bounce here. I think I've just lost you there, but have I? Oh, you're okay. back yeah. again now, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've just got a message to say my internet connection was unstable, so I lost you for the last couple of, couple of seconds. Apologies. No, don't worry. So yeah, I, I've just filled everybody in on gold there. So uh. <laughs> well, at least everyone else could hear. That's, yeah. that's that's the important part. Um, so that's gold. Okay, perfect. And then look, I mean, let's have a quick look at some stocks again. They're in kind of free fall at the moment. Um, just having a look. There's there's some quite strong levels. They're kind of holding on at the moment as well. If you look at some of the kind of big blue chip, you know, stocks there. Look at you know Microsoft for instance. Again, it's on that kind of three ten that three you know that three ten level. Um, pretty good support there. You know, most of the stocks are in that kind of phase now where it's kind of like nobody's dumping at the moment, but everybody's cautious. That mood is certainly is certainly changing. Yeah, you, you can sort of see when you, know, when you click into nearly anything, everything's come to sort of major support levels now. And it's 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 either going to be the pivot time, it's either going to be the time where we see a lot of asset managers starting to buy up stocks, you know, looking to try and rebalance books or whatever and trying to, buy up for the long term or we start to see people getting over cautious and saying hell with that i'm still not buying i'll wait until the next level you know if we even go back to the s&p as well jonathan it's kind of coming down to that 4200 level that 4300 and that 4200 levels like if it comes to 42 i'll certainly be buying but how much will i buy i'm not sure until it's there i probably couldn't answer that question Uh, what what level do you say when it comes that 4200 on the s&p yeah yeah yeah, i've got kind of mapped out my charts here as well for I mean, the levels that it's on at the moment. I mean, there's, there's, just, just, you know, we can see prices in oversold conditions on the four hour. You know, it's the, the kind of level around that forty three hundred is, is pretty good 
demand area mm -hmm. as well there. I mean, if we do see a break to the downside, I can't see it really establishing any further than that. Yeah. One level either. Yeah. I, you know, I think a, a lot of narratives, you know, that I've been reading as well and, and sort of hearing from, you know, asset managers is, is kind of about debt maturities and, and things like that. And I think that's one of the last things, you know, we'll maybe start to talk about is that we're seeing a lot of refinancing risk starting to come into the market. And, you know, for people who don't know what that means, it basically means the risk that you have when you refinance debt. So we know that every company takes on a lot of debt and a lot of debt that, you know, U.S. equities took on was really during COVID. So that was during 2020, 2021, 2022, even, you know, when interest rates were, were basically near zero. So if you're taking that on for five to 10 years, a lot of them maybe took it on for five years, you know, so everything's maturing kind of 2025 to 2027. And when a lot of that debt matures, what rates interest rates going to be at? Well, they could be very close to what they are now, or they could be even higher. And if that's the case, then a lot of people are going to have to start discounting more heavily for future cash flows. And equities just aren't really going to get a high of a valuation. And that could then drive down equity prices, you know, for the next year or two. We, we could see, see ourselves into a bear market. Obviously, that's a very long-term speculation thing, and it's something that may never happen. But again, it can be a root cause of, you know, why we're seeing equities under pressure as well. So just be just be aware of that of the amount of debt that's out there and the refinancing risk that we could potentially see from that. Yeah, for sure. Any particular stock that you're keeping an eye on? I, I mean, you always take you always tend to look at heavy tech stock, you know what I mean? I think you always fucking put me on the spot every week. Um, you know, I'm, I'm never prepared for a stock, but you always say any particular one you're looking at. No, I'm I'm not, but I'll, I'll, give, <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give you one to keep you happy. Yeah. So um there's always one I like to keep an eye out on, and it's for it's it's always for a long idea, and it actually goes back to what we were talking about, the sort of oil exploration and things like that, and it's actually called Nordic American Tankers. The the ticker is actually NAT, if I can find it here. So it's actually up over one point five percent today. Um, you know we've seen the dividend was obviously paid there um a couple of days ago, and it's now pushing up to around that four dollars. If we're just looking at it on a monthly chart, it did trade as high during that um you know, COVID fees. And even before that, into 2006, traded as $50. as now down at four. But basically what Nordic American tankers do, I think they've uh, about 23, 24 different ships and basically they transport oil and goods around the world. And during COVID, they held the oil uh, in the tankers and they were getting paid for that every day because there was so much of a surplus. And I think a company like that could be coming back now that oil is still in that high demand. We could start seeing, um, you know, their services being pushed upon. We could start to see prices uh, being pushed up from them. And I think it's just a very good growing company. I mean, they haven't missed a dividend from 1960, 1996 or 1998, I think it is, that missed a dividend. So I think it's a great growing company and something I just keep uh, my eye on, especially given this type of market. But Another company to keep an eye on as well is United Airlines. Um, looking at it on a short idea. I think I said that a couple of weeks ago. Still initiating the short idea down to around $38. So what price are they at now? Good question. It's a good question. If I could find the L on the keyboard, I could tell you. Uh, 42.71. So yeah, huge drop at the minute. I said this when they were at what? Like around $50 and now at 48 or 42. Sorry. So not too far to go for a year in target of 38. They could actually be lower. So, and again, that plays into the sort of oil thing that we're seeing higher oil prices, airlines being cost as oil. So you can do the, you can do the maths there of, of why that is. Sure. I have a bit of interest in Microsoft myself. I mean, it seems that, you know, all that investment in AI doesn't seem to be paying off. You know, they're, you know, chat, they obviously introduced ChatGPT into their Bing services <laughs> and uh, they've, they've heavily invested in AI. I think it will pay off long-term potentially, but uh, you know they're still you kind of think they're still competing against 
something that's built into us at this stage. You know, like Google is built into us and (laughs) nothing's going to pull us away from that too easily. Um, And look, I just think investors are starting to get a bit itchy at the moment. I think if we do break that kind of 300, uh, what's somewhere around that 310 level, it could potentially open the door. If we start to see people start to panic, all of a sudden money could potentially start flooding out. Yeah. And, you know, even getting back to your point about Microsoft as well, you know, I always had a mentor always said to me, look, it it doesn't matter how good the investment is. It doesn't matter what the company does or what they do or how they generate revenue. If the macro climate doesn't suit and if the macro climate's off, everything will fall. And you can really see that now. You know, if you look through all the stocks, it doesn't matter how good they are, how bad they are. They're all in the red today. But what is in the green? Well, you're looking at things like the green, like that Nordic American tankers. Why? Because they're exposed to the oil market. When oil goes up, they tend to make money. So when you see companies like that, it doesn't matter what you do. It's what industry you're involved in. Unfortunately, that's that's just the way it is at the minute. If you look at even NVIDIA, for instance, I mean, look, you know, when AI is slowing down, you're going to see NVIDIA slow down. Do you know that kind of way? It's simple correlations, you know? Yeah. And I mean, you know, even going back, you know, you asked about um, McDonald's and things like that. Why is it down? Well, we're seeing consumer confidence in the US today drop even further. So stocks like McDonald's, Starbucks, things like that, they're, they're all going to be down. And as you say, sentiment's always a big driver. If, if people aren't confident, they're certainly not going to be buying those companies. And everything changes from cyclical into defensive. So defenses are probably going to be the only thing that maybe outperform in the next six months. You know, what, what was the stuff that happened today? I've I haven't been at the desk all day, I'll be honest, but I know there's something at the moment happening around, you know, issues in, in the US. Um, let me see if I can pull that up. I haven't heard anything. If I can... Well, they're looking at potentially not being able to pay um, you know, military and defence forces on the, because there's an issue um, within funding. You didn't I see think, any of that, no? I, I think that's just for the shut, uh, government shutdown, is it not? Government shutdown, that's exactly yeah. It. Yeah, so we're obviously starting to see that. I mean, earlier this year, we've seen the fact that, um, you know, we were coming very close. Um, the US defaulting didn't happen, but now it's kind of coming to that stage game where the new fiscal year starts. I think it starts on the 1st of October. You know, so we could see a bit of a shutdown there in the US. And if we do, that's what I was saying earlier, but we could see a bit of a drive into bonds, into US bonds. And then that's obviously then going to start to... Uh, bring yields down further. We could see dollar also come down further. And then as well, also seeing equities um, coming out positively from that. So sure. I mean, with a split cabinet, that can go on for longer than expected as well. I mean, that can have, I mean, drivers behind that. What do you think could be further drivers behind that kind of last yeah. weeks? I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, we're only a year away now from you know, the presidential elections. So, you know, there's definitely going to be a lot of, um, a lot of scrutiny, you know, a lot of competition now for the next year. You know, I think the Republicans know that they have it in the bag. I mean, we can't expect Joe Biden to go on for another four years. There's absolutely no way. There's no other front runner behind him. I saw an interview of Biden yeah. recently. Um, I'm not an interview. He's doing a, some kind of a public talk anyway. And he was rambling, like in like nonsensical rambling. It's it's almost, and I'm not ageist by any means, but I've, I certainly feel that, you know, it could be a case that, you know, we, we need a change. I, mean, I just I just think he could be, spiraling a bit at the moment yeah i mean exactly but you know you always hear um you know as i like to go off on a tangent you always hear people like putin and putin always turns around and says it doesn't matter what president sits in front of him it's not them that makes the decision you know <laughs> we hear things like that how true it is i agree you know at the same time right yeah um you know there's 
there's always somebody in the black suit, I think, makes the decision. That's just my round table. Yeah. That's a podcast at some stage, Rory. Yeah. I think that's everything for the markets. I mean, we've covered things quite well there. Um, we've a lot of things in the app at the minute going out. I mean, obviously, markets are very volatile. So a lot of things that are going out in the app. Yeah, tons of things. We're going to be pushing out more live trade rooms as well, coming up, guys, as well. So lots of things in there. So jump on in and we'll see you guys there where you can ask us questions and pick our brains. Great. Sounds good. Thanks, John. Cheers. Thanks, everybody. All right. Thanks. See you in the next one.